That's the Mile High Hoops podcast with me, Zach By, powered by my friends at Superbook Sports. Stand up, Nuggets Nation. Denver Sports presents the Mile High Hoops podcast with Zach By. Denver Sports is your home for the most Nuggets content. Now here's your host, Zach By. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach By, and as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day with me here on the podcast, reacting to one of the, the most dominant performances of the second round, game number one, the Nuggets put it on the Phoenix Suns. Final score, 125-107. Handful of thoughts to get to uh, here this morning at the time of recording. It is Monday, May 1st at uh, about 10, 10.30, between 10 and 10.30 in the morning. Um I will just uh, apologize. Uh, the way that this falls with the timeliness of it, or really the, the lack thereof, with the Nuggets playing on Saturday night, uh, and then Sunday, I would have loved to have come in here and record uh, uh, this podcast yesterday. Uh, but I, two things. One, I got, just got a lot going on in my life. I got a four-year-old. I got a one-year-old. I'm coaching T-ball. We're doing all types of family stuff. But also, um, I don't want to uh, bring a producer in here to produce the podcast on his day off. That's that's the real overarching reason. So anyway, we're here on a Monday morning uh, reacting to the game. And then a few hours from now, uh, later on, this evening, the Nuggets are going to host Game 2 from Ball Arena. I am going to be in the building uh, for that one. Really looking forward to it. I got an awesome seat uh, hooked up by a, a co-worker who gets to, you know, first right of refusal and gets to pay face value for some tickets, and he's letting me buy one of those tickets for face value. That would be like, um, I'm not going to tell you how much it costs, but I, I will say if you try to buy the ticket that I have tonight on the secondary market, you're probably looking at you know well over 1000 probably 1200 1300 bucks. Uh, as we are, uh, we're, we're going to sit in the 10th row tonight. So I'm really, really looking forward to coming back on here tomorrow morning and reacting from a first-person point of view of what it was like in Ball Arena for Game 2, following, you know, like I said uh, right at the outset, one of the most dominating performances, a performance that not a lot of people saw coming. I mean, this was the Nuggets in the driver's seat from start to finish. I mean, Phoenix at one point had a three-point lead. That's it. Uh, it was a dominating performance. Denver was up by as many as 25 points in this one. I mean, goodness, it was just, um, it was a display. It was a flex. It was a statement. And if you listened to our preview episode last week or watched uh, my video on my Twitter, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Byzline. I did a, what I call a super stroll which is when I go on a walk and give some predictions ahead of a game. And boy, I, 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 you know, I'll pat myself on the back because in this business, no one else in the business will do it for me. Uh, we, we sounded like, you know, clairvoyant or just like we had a crystal ball. Um, going back to the preview episode and, and the Super Stroll, and uh, I'll say a, a couple things relating to the predictions. The number one, the number one, prediction that we gave for this series it wasn't a specific um it wasn't like a specific number okay it was just an overarching theme and I said the these are two awesome teams 
Okay, one's the number one seed in the West. One is the favorite to come out of the West. Okay, so they're awesome teams. There's four Hall of Famers, uh, at least on the floor, uh, between these two teams. But the one decided advantage that the Nuggets have over the Phoenix Suns was rebounding. And rebounding isn't one of these super sexy things to talk about uh, that's going to like steal headlines of like a big prediction for the series. Like, it wasn't like, hey, Jamal Murray's going to average 38 points for the series. It's, it's not that sexy. But rebounding, guys, for a matchup that, that uh, could be this close from a firepower standpoint is so massive because it should translate game over game over game. It's not about making shots, okay? And the Nuggets... Uh, we're plus 11 in the rebounding category, which is significant, but even more significant than that. Denver had 16 offensive rebounds. That is incredible. That was twice as many as Phoenix had. That is eight extra possessions over the course of a basketball game. That is a massive, a massive, massive difference. And if you look at, you could really boil this game down to two things. And we won't, but but you could. You could reduce it down to uh, just the sheer shot attempts. Denver took sh- 17 more shots than Phoenix. Well, how did they do that? The offensive rebounding and turning Phoenix over. Phoenix had 16 turnovers that resulted in 18 extra points for the Denver Nuggets. And that is just so encouraging. Um, now, I don't know if it's sustainable that many turnovers translating to that many points, but the rebounding category and the 16 rebounds uh, offensively, I think that should be able to uh, translate as well as travel. Okay, so that is really, really uh, a really awesome thing here and an early uh, key to this series, which was a key for the, for us on this podcast and on the show and on Twitter before we ever even started, um, it showed up in spades in game number one. So keep your eye on that. Our other um, a big prediction uh, for the series uh, gave us incredible early returns in game number one. We spent a dedicated time talking about Aaron Gordon um, and and how the last series, while Gordon played well, the last series um, wasn't really set up for Gordon to have success uh, offensively because of the size and physicality of the front court of the Minnesota Timberwolves. They're the biggest front court in the NBA. And Gordon's a big guy, but he's not that big. We're getting to see the best version of Aaron Gordon. And I think I said this on the... um, on the preview episode, uh, that one of my predictions for the series was while while Gordon could not reach 15 points not one time in the first round, he would average 15 points for this series. And he made us look pretty smart. Nine for 13 from the floor. Three of four from three. He took a trip to the free throw line, uh, free throw line made both of them, pulled down six rebounds, and finished with 23 points. We talked about Gordon, and teams are going to want to you know, tempt him to take threes. Well, he made them. And all that is going to do uh, for him is give him more opportunities to drive to the basket. He finished at the basket a handful of times. He was uh, aggressive, and I just don't see why. Now, 
I was going to say why he can't do that every single night during the series. I don't mean getting to 23 points specifically. I'm more talking about just the, the feel of having an impact um, with, with the same sort of flavor and variety that he had on Saturday evening. He was so fun to watch and as big of a, of a part of that victory as anyone else uh, on the team. Jamal. Jamal was brilliant. I mean, this guy, it feels like, now it's still early, okay? It's early uh, in the series, and it's early in this uh, hopefully very long playoff run. But it feels like Jamal Murray is turning a bit of a corner here. Uh, The consistency has been the issue. We've talked about it with Jamal for years, more specifically uh, this season. Just, you know, the up and down nature of who Jamal can be. But he, it feels like he is crossing through a new threshold. Uh, And this version, this guy, the question that I have asked for a while about Jamal Murray, can he be the second best player on a title team? The jury's still out on that. That doesn't get decided in a first round or game number one of a second round. Uh, the jury's still out on that, but boy, am I encouraged. It, it, it's it's carrying over from the Minnesota series. He had the 40-point uh, game. He had the 35-point game. And for him to begin this series, and we talked about this uh, in the preview episode, there is no one on Phoenix that can stay with Jamal. It's just there, there is no one. They're either undersized or they're defensive specialist who might not be out there for major minutes uh, for, for Monty Williams. So really liked what I saw. He made six threes. His, he had different like phases of the game. Him kicking down the door to game one and just giving the team confidence that this is the version of, of, of me you're getting tonight was just so massive. He had a huge start to the game. Uh, he had a huge second quarter as well. I think it was the, the back stretch of the second quarter, if memory serves. And then the way he finished the game, Jamal, him in the fourth quarter, the way he closed the casket on uh, game one for Phoenix, like the play he had in transition, that was a lot of shot making. It was a lot, like the shot making for Jamal was on display. It really was. But he was also being a distributor and finished with nine points. That's freaking incredible on the heels of scoring 34. So he's just doing it all. But man, like him in transition in the fourth quarter when he's got a man to the left and right of him, I think it was CP3 and Durant on each side of him just flanked. And it almost looked like from the original camera angle, it looked like he threw it from behind him between his legs out in front of him. But then then on the replay, you saw a little bit different. He just, it was like he was doing a dribbling drill where you're doing two ball dribble and you're going front to back and your, your wrist when you're going back to the front is totally facing um, in front of you. Like he, he's, he, he has the ball on a string. He's not pushing it out, pushing the ball out uh, uh, forward with his palm. His, his fingers are pointing towards the ground and his wrist is facing forward and he's just dragging the basketball in front of him. Well, why am I talking about this? If you feel like you can dribble like that in the open floor when Kevin Durant is on your left and Chris Paul is on your right and you're doing that in the playoff game, your confidence just is at an all-time high. And that's what we're seeing from Jamal, from the shot making, from the handle. Uh, he is just just being this brazen version of himself, and it's based on confidence. And you just love to see it. My goodness, I am so um, eager 
uh, borderline excited to watch Jamal Murray uh, in game two in person in Denver uh, later tonight. R- really looking forward to it. KCP, I thought, was big in the first half, making uh, three threes uh, in that first half. And then Bruce Brown, who wasn't great in the first half, was just monstrous in that second stanza. Bruce Brown, the way he goes about his business, like his plays, his better plays are not um, understated. They're very loud. And when you're at home, man, his it feels like his buckets count for two because of just how emphatic they are. So love what I saw from Bruce Brown. We isolated him as our X factor coming into the series. And in 25 minutes, the first-year Nugget shot 7 for 11 from the floor, uh, had three assists, had three steals, one of them plucking Durant in that second half. Uh, It was just fantastic. When Bruce Brown was on the floor, he was a plus 21 in his 25 minutes of action, finished with 14 points. Uh, Just great. He continues to... Uh, we were asking him to carry over the last five weeks of the season into the first round. He did that, and now we've asked him to do it again, and it's translating uh, in the second round uh, as well. So very, very um, optimistic about what this series could uh, could hold for Bruce Brown. Very exciting. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., uh, didn't have the type of impact uh, that you would want, uh, the sustaining impact, rather, uh, over the course of his 31 minutes. Um, it was kind of what we um, not uh, have got accustomed from Michael Porter uh, Jr., because that's not wouldn't be fair after uh, how well he played in some stretches in that first uh, series. But it's sort of like, well, he, he had these same stretches. He, he, he has a loud impact in a short flurry amount of time it does it does move the needle uh it is um uh, felt i don't mean to minimize his impact but he has too much too many stretches of where he's just sort of anonymous out there and um the way that he didn't uh let it affect other areas of the game in the first round he wasn't he wasn't as impactful in those same areas particularly uh, rebounding the basketball he's got an opportunity to really um leave his fingerprints on this series in that category. Uh, and he just didn't take advantage of it uh, as often as you would like. Now, it wasn't all bad. He had a pair of assists, had a pair of steals, few rebounds, uh, no offensive rebounds. He can hurt Phoenix on the offensive gla- glass if he chooses to. And my guess is they'll watch that film and emphasize that. He finished with 11 points. Um, he was fine. He was fine. Um, they didn't need him in the way that you thought they might uh, heading into game one, they will need him here uh, in game number two. So it, it's got to be a little bit better, got to be a little bit more uh, uh, consistent and, um, and, and across the board impactful, not just, not just putting the ball uh, in the basket. Uh, okay, um, looking at Phoenix really quick, um, some, of the, some of the things I thought uh, heading into this series, the rebounding, the depth of the team. Um, I think the Nuggets have that box checked. Like we've talked about the bench and we've even complained about the bench. But do the Nuggets have the world's greatest bench? No. Is it better than Phoenix's? I think so. Do the Nuggets have the world's greatest defense? No. Do I think it's better, better than Phoenix's? Yes. And that second part there, I think will continue to reveal itself over uh, this series. And I don't think that you're going to snap your fingers and say, okay, 
We've played together now 15 games instead of 13. Now we have continuity. It just doesn't work like that. When you have an offense in Denver that will stress Phoenix the way that I expect them to. Like, I was watching Phoenix, you know, in the last series against Los Angeles, uh, you know, you know, give up 124 points uh, to the Clippers, giving up 130 points to the Clippers without their two best players. And the Clippers were a bottom third offense in the league. And when I'm watching that, I'm just going, huh, huh. How is this going to go over the course of two weeks when you're doing like your third, you know, third backside rotations defensively against a Nuggets team with Jokic at the center of it, uh, putting stress on your decision making, and I, I just, I, it would be it would be remarkable to see this Phoenix defense slow down this Nuggets offense um, a few times here over the next. A couple of weeks. Can they do it for a possession? Of course. Can they do it for a quarter? Yeah, probably. Um, but can you do it over the course of a game? And then can you do it again and again? I, I have serious doubts. I think this Phoenix defense is rather fraudulent and the Nuggets are going to expose it. They put up 125 points in the first game. It's, they will have another um, game where they score higher than 25 points. I'm just telling you. Because Jokic didn't even shoot the ball the way that you would hope. I mean, Jokic struggled again, 9 for 21 from the floor. Now you look at his uh, just stats, you see 24 points, 19 rebounds, 5 assists. Wow, he must have been great. And he mostly was. But it is a little bit concerning seeing him struggle again from the field. And and I'm just not used to seeing it. He's been so hyper-efficient. I'm not used to seeing that guy struggle in this way. Um, obviously we remember the game, uh, uh, game five, uh, against Minnesota where he, um, missed 21 of the 29 shots he took made just eight. It was, you know, that's like, you know, 27% from the floor or whatever it is. Um, still got to 28 points in that game. But if you're watching it, it, you're just not used to seeing him shoot below 50%. And then now you see it in consecutive games. Um, let's just keep our eye on it. Hopefully, hopefully it's not the wrist rearing its ugly head at the worst time, um, but it could be. It absolutely could be. So let's keep our eye on on Jokic's offensive efficiency uh, when it comes to uh, putting that ball in that basket the way he has d- uh, done it at such a high level here over the last few years. This has been a departure from that. Um, also, last thing on the way out here, Christian Brown. Um, I think Christian Brown is the only rookie I saw uh, over the weekend. There may be one or two that are currently in rotations. There's not a lot, though. And the fact that Christian Brown is playing um, major playoff minutes for, you know, Michael Malone. Again, he ended up with four steals, guys. Four steals and five rebounds in 14 minutes. That's hard to do. Now, he didn't shoot it well. Got to the free throw line once, but uh, having four steals and five rebounds in 14 minutes is incredible. Um, so a uh, shout out to Christian Brown. His impact was felt uh, in those 14 minutes, and um, we'll keep our eye on young Christian here moving forward in this series as well. All right, we're going to keep it there uh, for now, guys, uh, and we'll come back tomorrow morning and react to Game 2. Uh, hopefully another Nuggets win, all new storylines. We'll see how Phoenix adjusts tonight, um, and hopefully uh, Denver has that counterpunch uh, ready to go. 
guys, if you think we deserve uh, five stars, please give us five stars. Uh, tell a friend. That's the best way to grow this podcast organically. I really appreciate you being here. And whatever happens on Monday night with me in the building, you already know. We're going to be talking about it the next day right here on the Mile High Hoops podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the Mile High Hoops podcast powered by Superbook Sports. Until next time.